Oh, amen. It's kind of sad, but uh, it's so cool to see everybody grow up and have kids, and it's just kind of scary how life just rocks past us. Uh, but we're, we're watching around the earth uh, everything get set up for the coming of the Lord. Uh, you know, you look at nations and everything that's happening in all the nations, everything is a setup for Jesus to present himself to his brethren just like Joseph did at the very end. I mean, it's pretty remarkable to see how clear it is. Once you get into it, you're like, oh, my Lord, you have a checklist. Okay, when I see that, I'll know we're getting closer. Check. When I see that, I'll know we're getting closer. Check. And, man, you just go down the checklist. You go, Lord, we're there. Even sinners know something's up. You know, you don't even have to be a Christian. You don't even have to know the Bible. In your heart, you go, there's a change coming. And that change is God's coming back to the planet. Amen. I mean, you think about the first coming of the Lord. You talk about under the radar. It can't get much more under the radar than being born in a stable. God being born in a stable. And it's the very stables where they had sheep for sacrifices. Remember when the angels stood out there and said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and goodwill toward men? He was appearing to, Gabriel was appearing to shepherds that were raising up the sheep for sacrifice, saying, don't worry, uh, the Father has pr provided his own sacrifice. You won't have to kill any more of these lambs, but uh, he's going to kill his own son. How amazing. That's why we shout tonight. If you might be here and you go, well, these guys are kind of crazy. No, we're just thankful. We're happy. We're, we're, we're shouting because we're saved. We're shouting because we're not going to go to hell. We're shouting because we're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever. I love it. I like what Paul said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So he tells us to comfort one another with these things. So there's something about bringing us comfort knowing we'll be with Jesus. Praise God. You know, you see these guys uh, that sometimes they'll go, well, I don't know if I want to go to heaven or not. Lucifer has made the Lord not look cool, especially young people think, am I going to miss something by getting saved? You're not going to miss anything. You're, it's the most wonderful blessing there ever was, ever will be. I mean, even in the millennium, you're going to have roller coasters. You're going to have football. You're going to have a thousand years of normal stuff just with Lucifer bound. Everybody thinks we'll be worshiping God for a thousand years. You know, uh, you're going to be in 1,000 year worship service. No, well, the Lord's so normal. Man, he's normal. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, he's normal. Come on. Praise God. Well, grab your Bibles and you just uh, turn where you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing again. Praise the Lord. Why don't you turn to Luke 21? I had something planned on that I was going to preach on tonight, and it totally got changed uh, having lunch with Pastor Mike. And uh, he told me to preach on the seven sins of Sapphira. And I just felt like I wasn't supposed to do that. So we'll just see. <laughs> no. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We, we have so much fun. It's good to be silly and be goofy. You know, in his presence is fullness of joy. Isn't it weird how religion taught us the more stoic you could be, the more boring you could be, that that was somehow holy. Yet the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So what a, what a weird thought that's tried to come into the church. Here's people that don't, don't even know uh, about God, but they, they think that's more godly to be mean and quiet than happy and crazy. We almost uh, equate silliness with ungodliness. No, you, you come into the kingdom as a child. You ever seen a child acting not silly? No, kids are silly because there's no pride. The reason why people aren't silly anymore is because they want to put on a facade of being cool. Uh, in the Lord's eyes, we ain't cool. <laughs> might, as well, might as well be silly and goofy, amen? Come on. So let's pray, and we'll do a couple minutes of review from last night, and we'll get right into what the Lord has for us tonight. So thank you for coming on Tuesday night. I believe you have special blessings for coming on Tuesday night. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We're so appreciative of this book we have that shows us that, that you let yourself be beaten and killed for us. Amazing. How could we ever repay you? Uh, we're, we're communicating to you tonight that we're here. We love you. 
We honor you. We bless you. We're in awe that you would give your life. We, we all see you tonight uh, up in heavenly places, filled with glory, the pageantry of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the radiance of God himself. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you that you, you raised us with him and, and sat, him, sat us right beside him at your right hand, that we would be in Christ, that there'd be no law against us, that the, you, you blotted out the handwritings and the ordinance that were contrary to us, and you nailed them to the cross. So uh, there, there's no, uh, you, you disarmed Satan. So Lord, thank you uh, for what we have, and help us in this hour. Walk in the fullness of everything that you gave us 2,000 years ago. Your authority, the name of Jesus, the word of God, gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, the tangible glory of God. We thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. You know, last night we talked about kind of what would grease the wheels of, of faith, and we talked about authorization, talked about how uh, that was the two keys that Jesus actually talked about in John 14. He said, uh, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. And then he said, I'm going to pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter. So it was authorization and presence. So last night we dealt with authorization quite a bit. Simplistic authorization made the early church just it liberated them to, to do what they needed to do. They, they didn't know all the word that we know, but they knew they'd been authorized. So it's amazing how you don't have to know everything. Everything, just operate in what you do know. Because you, <laughs> you can get a hold of one little thing and it'll bless you, you know. Because uh, I like what uh, uh, a different minister said over the years. I'll give you a couple quotes. You can tell the caliber of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage them. Proverbs 27 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your spirit is weak. So there is a strength in us tonight. I talked about that last night for just a minute. Daniel's prophesied about you. He saw you. He said, you'd know your God, you'd be strong, and you'd do exploits. And when Gabriel was talking to Daniel, Gabriel was showing Daniel really the whole tribulation period, and it freaked Daniel out, man. He said, he midway through it, he told Gabriel, how's this going to work out? Because it didn't look very good. And, and Gabriel told Daniel, don't worry, the ancient of days will prevail. Glory to God, amen. So he, he's coming back, glory to God. So we happen to be this group just before he comes, and we talked a little bit about the healing revival last night. From 1948 to 1958, you had a revival of miracles. I mean, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Raymond T. Ritchie, which is not even a famous evangelist, he had so many miracles, they had to haul away the wheelchairs and flatbed trucks. Have you ever been to a church service where the trucks had to back up to haul the wheelchairs away? I mean, that's pretty crazy. And he wasn't even widely known. He was what you might call a minor evangelist at that time. Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, I mean, William Branham, those guys, Branham, a guy would walk up in front of him and goes, uh, your name is Pastor Joan, you, you pastor with Pastor Mike, and you're, you're from Trainer, uh, uh, Iowa, and you guys have been married and have all these grandkids. And he would read their mail. And, and, then, and then the Lord would go, and you have trouble with a goiter. And she goes, that's right. He goes, you're healed, and their water disappeared just like that. Words of knowledge, like absolutely amazing. And then you had A.A. Allen to have meetings like that one in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, the little baby got healed. There was a woman in, Nash, in Nashville, Tennessee. The baby had no arms, no legs, and no eyes, had a hole for a mouth, hole for a nose. And she kept hammering Brother Shambach because Brother Shambach was the crusade coordinator. And she kept saying, when's uh, Alan going to pray for my baby? Because she's there to get that baby healed. Well, he said, you know what? Even if your card's not called out because they gave out cards for a prayer line, there's 10,000 people there. 
So all week, her baby, the number hadn't been called out. So uh, the last night of the meeting, Brother Allen, midway through his message, he goes, wait a minute, I'm not here. He said, I'm up in Tennessee at an OB ward, and the doctors are saying this baby cannot survive, but actually it survived, but it's deformed, but it's here. And boy, Shambox, the ears perked up, said, that's that baby. That woman's been hammering about me all week. So they went and got the baby, and Brother Shambox said, I normally close my eyes when I pray, but I wasn't going to miss this miracle. <laughs> he said, right there in front of him, said it sounded like cordwood. Snap, snap, snap. Little legs came out, little arms came out. The baby was recreated right there in front of the whole crowd. And that was amazing. And then Brother Shambach, I did a couple of meetings with him. I said, tell me the whole story. He said, there was a stretcher section with 300 some odd people on stretchers. She said, everybody quit looking at the baby, turned over and looked at the stretcher section. And every single person in the stretcher section got up healed with not a hand laid on them. So, I mean, the people are going crazy. All right, there was a busload of blind people that were late getting to the service. They couldn't find the tent. So the... <laughs> The driver was not blind, come on. <laughs> but they were late getting there because this was midway through his service. He stopped in the middle of his message. The baby gets healed. The stretcher section gets healed. Every single one of the blind people, when they got off the bus, walked into the back of the tent, got their sight as they walked into the tent. Now, I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. But that was a move right after Israel was reestablished as a nation in 1948. So you had a reciprocal move of the goodness and the glory of God. See, that's the glory of the Father. Amen. Remember when Jesus turned the water into wine? said this was the beginning of him showing forth his glory. Now, why, why was that cool? Well, the, the family was going to be embarrassed because they'd ran out of wine at the very end when they're supposed to have the best. And the Lord didn't want that family to be embarrassed. And the mother said, you know what? Uh, do something, Jesus. Jesus said, well, it's not my time to do something. Why are you messing with me? Doesn't that just sound like a mom? That sounds exactly like my mother. Like, you're going to do this, and you're going to do it right now. Hello, here we go. So Jesus goes, uh, yeah, I'm not supposed to do that now. And, and his mother goes, it doesn't matter. Whatever he tells you guys to do, do it. So there we go. <laughs> so Jesus' mom got him into enter into miracles even before he was supposed to do it. So they filled up the water pots with water, and when they bear the, out to the governor, the water turned into wine. This was the beginning of him showing forth his glory. So you had a 10-year period of the glory of the Lord in our nation that our people right now, we have not heard of it or seen it that much, uh, but Jesus is just about to come. So what that got was a group of people interested in the Word, and then you had a Word revival after that. You had a Holy Spirit revival. In the meantime, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1970, then that Word revival revi revi followed that we went to Rama 42 years ago we would stand outside in the rain not for school but for extra meetings when brother Hagen would preach sleet would be coming down the back of your coat and you'd stand out in the rain and sleep for two to three hours so you could get a seat and then when they opened the door you took off running and you pushed people and then you got in trouble for pushing people because you weren't supposed to be mean but you wanted a seat we were so hungry we stood in line outside in the sleet that was a word revival you couldn't get him enough word, 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 word. So uh, we're a product right now of just before he comes that he wants a voice and a witness of strength and of joy. The Lord has a certain kind of flavor about him, and it's all about goodness, and it's all about mercy. The closer you get to the Lord, the softer you'll be, the kinder you'll be. If you're brash, if you're hard to get along with, you need to hang out with the Lord, because everything about him is softness. Everything about him is ease. There is no drama with him. Amen. I think I'll do Elvis on that. Here we go. All right. So I have a turn to get into. So let's go. Let's talk a little bit about the coming of the Lord tonight. I want to go a little bit further into something. But uh, I was a little uh, not, not surprised. But let's do it. Look at Luke 21. And uh, we'll go with verse 24. It's page 
108, if you've got a Bible like mine. Let's start here. Verse 24, and they'll fall by the edge of the sword, and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay, so Jesus uh, calls timing based on Jerusalem being won back. So when did that happen? 1967. We know that. We've heard the word. So, so timing's up uh, pretty much for the nations when Jerusalem's won back. So how cool in the Six-Day War, Israel got Jerusalem back. They hadn't had it since 70 A.D. So that's a miracle. That's pretty cool. And we've talked about the miracles here many times, especially, remember the 88 Egyptian tanks coming down on Israel? 88 Egyptian tanks. One Israeli cook climbs into a tank, figures out how to load shells into the turret. He's not even in the military. He's a cook. He gets in the tank, figures out how to load the the tank, figures out how to fire the tank at the 88 Egyptian tanks. Next thing you know, he's firing shells all night. The, the Egyptian commander came out with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. That cook goes, highest ranking officer, it's just me. He goes, oh, no, it wasn't just you all night. The whole night the countryside was filled with tanks with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. So 88 Egyptian tanks surrendered to one tank ran by a cook. Hallelujah. Why? Because time's up. So Jerusalem was won back. Remember, everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. The Bible said Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. So you see everything happening right now. uh, I've said it before many times, but everything happening right now is a setup for what they talked about two weeks ago. They've got to go back to the borders before the Six-Day War. They can't stand that Israel got Jerusalem won back. Well, uh, the devil's so stupid, you can go to the old city of Jerusalem, and there's an Islamic mosque right there. Why? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. You go over here, there's an Islamic mosque over here. That's where Jesus was beaten. You go over here, there's there's an Islamic mosque. That's where Jesus was raised up on the Mount of Ascension. You go over here, uh, this is where he was raised from the dead. The devil put a mosque everywhere. Jesus did something cool. And the devil thought, well, he could cover up what the Lord did. No, all it did was give you a tour guide. You don't even have to know anything about the land. You can just walk over there. Something cool must have happened there. Something cool must have happened. Because you can go up on the Dome of the Rock in Arabic, it says. And on the Dome of the Rock, this is where, this is where Jesus' address will be forever. Five billion years from now, you're going to go, what's the Lord's address? That spot right there on the Temple Mount. It says on the Temple Mount in Arabic, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is a Son of God. His name's Jesus. God raised him from the dead, and he's about to come back. Amen. So watch what happens. The Lord's going to give us a little clearer because this is not what I'm trying to preach on tonight. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm just setting it up for that. So look at verse 29. He's going to give us a little more info and make it a little clearer what he had just said because it's pretty bold. He said, look at the fig tree in verse 29. That's the nation of Israel. In 1948, the fig tree budded and Israel's made a nation. Right after Hitler killed six million Jews, Hitler tried to stop the will of God from coming to pass. Couldn't do it, though. Come on. They were regathered as a nation. Verse 30, when they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come, what things? He's talking about Israel being regathered and Jerusalem won back. When you see these things come to pass, no. You ought to circle the word no there in your Bible. Jesus is telling you something so you can know when he's coming back. Because most people in the world today go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Jesus is giving you two things here to show you you can know when he's coming. Not wonder, not sense, not perceive, no. Why would that be a big deal? You make changes if you thought the Lord was coming tomorrow. 
Come on, you, 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 my mom would do it this way. Jesus is coming tonight. And I'd go, really? I'd go, oh my God. I'd raise my hands. Lord, forgive me of everything. I started crossing. I wasn't Catholic, but I was doing, all, I was doing everything to make sure I covered myself because I thought the rapture was going to happen that night. If you think the Lord's coming tomorrow, you'll be a lot sweeter tonight. I guarantee you. Well, you say, well, that haughtiness rose up and goes, I don't think I will. I guarantee you when someone's in a foxhole during World War II, I don't think when bombs, they were getting carpet bombs, that they get up and go, try to hit me, man. No. They were ducking and covering going, Lord, you're the one. I love you. So people that aren't humble have a seven-year period called the tribulation, and God's going to put some pressure on them. He's not mad at them. He's just going to put some pressure on them to make a decision. Because most folks will wait till the very end before they make a decision. I was at Keith Johnson's church. I had an altar call. 96-year-old man raised his hand. I walked over to him. I said, I'll pray with you. He gets saved right there at 96. His son was with him. His wife was with him. Never been to church ever. Gets born again right there. I I left the next day to go to the airport. Pastor Johnson called me. He said, you know, that elderly man last night went home to be with the Lord. You talk about cutting it close. I mean, you don't want to get saved the night, but I mean, come on. I mean, he's that far away from going to hell forever. Wow. So here Jesus is telling us this. So we make changes. We'll know and get excited. It's not about, it's not about God being mad at you. He loves you. He's not mad at you, not frustrated at you. He just wants you excited that he's about to come. Wouldn't it be a bummer if, you, you know, if Pastor Mike's going to come down to Tulsa and we're, we're going to hang out and build a barn or something. And well, the week before he comes, I'm like, well, I'm not excited about Pastor Mike coming. Well, how come? Well, we're just going to work. We're going to build a barn. It's not going to be that cool. That'd be kind of a bummer, wouldn't it? If you're not excited, I, I talk about this when Colleen and I were getting married. Wouldn't it be weird we're getting married? I'm standing there. She's over there walking down the aisle. She's being escorted down the aisle. I'm so excited. There's that beautiful dress. There's my beautiful wife-to-be. And she's walking down the aisle all beat over like this. Oh, my God. I'm about to marry that guy. Another one bites the dust. Here we go. Now, I would be kind of freaking out if I'm getting ready to get married. And that's what she's saying. And the church is all of a sudden about to see Jesus face-to-face. And everybody's like, are we really about to see the Lord I don't know if I believe that this is about the finish line man this is about if you're ever going to run your race this is the time to hook it up and go just like in a football game I love college football and it freaks me out when the quarterback won't watch the play clock I'm screaming look at the play clock you're running out of time and he's hello the plays are more crucial to very end you don't have time to dink around why? You can drop the ball at the beginning of the game, but when there's 30 seconds left, you can't drop the ball. The church has to get that mentality. So Jesus is telling us this so that we'll know this. So watch what he says. Run back with me. Verse 31, likewise, when you see these things come to pass, run into the woods and freak out. <laughs> no, that's what you'd think he said. No, he said, when you see these things come to pass, no that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. That's pretty radical. It's pretty radical to know that it's close. Now watch him kick over a can of worms right here. It's not just close. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. Wow, what generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem one back. So tag, you're it. You know, I hear people go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. We're, and then you go through all of them because this is not what I'm preaching on. I'm not trying to preach on something else. I'm going to get there. You got, you got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem one back. You got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. Look, Google it tonight, the revival of the Roman Empire. The, the, their capital building is not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. 
You got Russia rebuilt the archway for Baal worship months ago and, uh, in Palmyra where the Tower of Babel was. Why is that a big deal? The Talmud says that's the last sign you'll see before the Messiah comes. So the Sanhedrin saw that. They've got the, the red heifers there. Two weeks ago, you had all these red heifers show up. Today, you had 20,000 of Jacob's sheep show up, first time ever in history. The lineage of Jacob's sheep, guess when it showed up in Israel? Today. I read that, and I'm like, oh, my God. They got the worm out that secretes this uh, 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 blood-red ink to put on the red heifers. You know what happens? In three days, it turns white. Though your sins be scarlet, they be white as snow. They have all of that stuff ready because Jesus is just about to come back. Wow. So then you got fish in the Dead Sea. You had the Dead Sea turning blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah was a few months ago. Guess Guess what day it turned blood red? On the Day of Atonement. I thought, man, Lord, you're just showing off now. This is crazy. So it's, you have uh, uh, foxes on the Temple Mount, the ritual baths around the Temple Mount filled up with water, first time in 2,000 years. You had blood-red moons in 1967, four in a row, on Passover and Tabernacles. Same thing in 1948. You got signals. You got asteroids. You got wormwood that's supposed to hit in 2029. I'm preaching in the Ukraine 30 years ago and said that, and people gasped. I said, what's the deal with wormwood? It's the word Chernobyl. See, (laughs) it's going to be a radioactive asteroid hit the earth and a third of the waters are going to be poisoned. NASA said it's going to do a flyby in 2027 and do a flyby in 2028. So people will be able to look up and go, there's that asteroid. And you talk about getting people's attention. Some people are going to repent. Some people will go, I don't believe that. Well, we'll see how it works for them. But you got event after event after event after event that God said you'd see just before the Messiah comes. And you've got to watch it all in your lifetime. And I'm skipping over tons of them. In the book, there's 70-some-odd signs of the coming of the Lord. I was on this uh, TV show, this guy, that he asked me to go preach with General Flynn and, and Don, Donald Trump Jr., and I couldn't go do the meeting. But they put me on this TV program. They were trying to stump me. They're asking me questions, and I would, I would give the answer, and they're Googling me while I'm doing it. I said, you're fact-checking me right here, aren't you? He said, we sure are. And the same thing with the people that I wrote in the book. The, 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 the fact-checkers, they said, you know, this stuff is all real. I said, hello, you think I could make this stuff up? Are you crazy? Of course it's all real. I'm not smart enough to even come up with this stuff. This is all happening right now. Why? Jesus is about to come back. So let's go look at what I wanted to get into tonight, and we'll get there. Grab your Bibles and turn over to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, and we'll start with uh, chapter 4. In midway here in a few minutes, Pastor Brian's going to sing something off his Greatest Hits album. It's going to be powerful. It'll be perfect timing for that. I mean, Brother Marty sang last night. He, he, he sang a song. He never, he, isn't it amazing he never even sung that song before? It's crazy. Yeah, so cool. All right, go over to 1 Thessalonians. You've got your Bibles there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's talk about the event about the coming of the Lord. The signs I just gave you, those are signs of the second coming of the Lord. Uh, but let's go look at the rapture of the church. This is about what's going to happen to us. It's gotten taught with fear. Gotten taught, you, you, you said, well, we're going to preach on the coming of the Lord. People freaked out. I know people wouldn't even come to the meeting because they, they just scared them. There's nothing about the rapture that scares you. It's just an evacuation. Enoch was evacuated. Elijah was evacuated. The chariot of fire and the horsemen thereof, they, they came and picked him up. Uh, so we're going to be, uh, uh, if you can call it teleported, you can call it whatever you want to be, we're going to be evacuated from the earth and go straight to heaven. We're going to get glorified bodies. It's going to be wonderful. Never gain weight again. Never get tired again. Doesn't get any cooler than that. Come on. See, my weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. 
I used to say I need to be 6'3", now I'm up to about 6'8", 6'9", but anyway, <laughs> it's going to be cool, praise the Lord. So let's go look at this. Uh, okay, First Thessalonians, the first letter written by Paul, what was the, the, the purpose of it? The coming of the Lord. All right. Remember, in Second Thessalonians, he said, they, see, they thought the Antichrist was already there. Nero was taking Christians, dunking them in oil, setting them up as nightlights. So they said, well, we have to be in the tribulation. So Paul's letter here was to write to them that you can't be in the tribulation yet because the church is still here. The church has to be evacuated because you have so much authority. So he takes the church off the earth and repays Israel seven years that he owes them from the old covenant. We'll get into that here a little bit later. But grab your Bibles there. You've got your Bibles at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 13. You've heard this many times, but it's healthy to go through it again. It's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. So look at verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So he's writing about the rapture of the church, so you'll be happy and hopeful. Said nothing about freaked out or scared. He's telling you this so that you'll, you'll, you won't be sorrowful. And notice this. He said, don't be misinformed about it. Two things he said not to be misinformed about in the Bible. Number one, coming of the Lord. Number two, gifts of the Spirit. Why? Right before the coming of the Lord, the church will have an outflow mentality of the power of God. Okay? So he said, don't be misinformed about that. He said, be, be up to speed on those things. So here we go in verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ arise first, then we which are alive and remain, here we go, shall be caught up. That's the word in the Greek, harpazo means taken. Same word that Elijah, the sons of the prophets, told him, hey, don't you know, told Elisha, don't you know your master's gonna be taken from you today? All right, that he was caught up. So here it says we're gonna be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the teaching on the rapture of the church wasn't to scare us, it was to bring us comfort. Okay, and you say, well, the word rapture is not there. Actually, it is. In the Greek, it's the word harpazo. Uh, in, in Latin, it's the word rapture, right there, rapture. We'll be caught up. I keep telling the Lord, you need to get your uh, flux capacitor working and get it all, all tuned up because at one moment, the Bible says he's able to subdue even all things unto himself. When he says, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. If you're in the church of the living God, if you're a part of the body of Christ, uh, this mortal's gonna put on immortality. The stain of Adam's gonna be taken off of this. And my friend, you talk about a, a glorious event we're going to be caught up you talk about a meet and greet you're going to get to see all your loved ones you haven't seen that have gone home to be with the lord you talk about a party party is not even the word for what we're going to be doing we're going to be freaking out it'll be so joyful that we've gone from this life of toil this life of being on the earth that's so full of damnable things to all of a sudden in the presence of the lord wow the bible says so shall we ever be with the lord Oh, come on. We shall be changed. We sh we're going to be caught up. Come on. You can almost sing a song right there. We, we shall rule. We shall reign. I have it coming to me right there. Here we go. So this event, as crazy as it sounds, Enoch walked with God, raptured. Elijah, raptured. Jesus, raptured. The church, 
raptured. We hand off to 144,000 Jewish evangelists, just like Enoch handed off to Noah to ride through the flood. We're going to hand off to the Jews, and they're going to ride the tribulation. There's all these types that show you exactly what it's going to be. Then we're going to go to the reward seat of Christ, not the judgment seat. It's a mistranslation. It's the word bema. You're going to go just like when you get the Olympics, when you get a gold, silver, or bronze. You're going to go to the bema, and what you've done for the Lord, he's going to reward you. He's not going to judge your sin. Sin was laid on Jesus. But what you've done for him, he's going to check the motive of your heart. And then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know how long that meal is supposed to be? How many of you had like a five-hour meal, three-hour meal? You thought, man, that's the longest meal I've ever seen in all my life. The marriage supper of the Lamb's a year long. So I don't know how we count that, but like how many steaks can you eat in a year? <laughs> wow, I'll have another, praise the Lord. <laughs> Keep them coming. I got a long drive ahead of me. Here we go. Come on. No, so what, what an event's getting ready for our lives. We get into this because it's to produce great joy. That great joy produces great strength so you can accelerate before you leave. You don't come to the end of the race and go, now what is that right there? It's the finish line. I've never seen a runner go, I've never seen that before. No, they study what it's going to look like on the last lap. Race cars, the last lap, you let it all out. You go to a red line. If you're behind, you don't go, well, I kind of need to baby it. You don't baby it anymore. You max it out. You're on the last lap. Everything changes. Your intensity level changes. I went to the Monaco Grand Prix one time. I tried to go for 20 years. One t- the one time I'm preaching in Germany in, in the month of May, a guy calls and goes, hey, I got tickets to Monaco Grand Prix. I said, man, I'm in. I'm there. I, that was the coolest thing I'd ever been to in all my life. And when it comes to getting closer to the end of the race, it gets more and more exciting. People are standing up. People are screaming. Even these sophisticated French people, these sophisticated Germans, these sophisticated whatever nation you want to call them that are quiet and reserved, they're going crazy because it's the end of the race. Wow, we walked off the deal, got to go down and touch Michael Schumacher's car. The only race ever where you can go right down and touch their cars because it's the streets of Monaco. But you talk about exciting. I didn't see one person during that race going like this. What are you doing? I'm at Monaco Grand Prix. Could you imagine somebody being sour at the Grand Prix? I go, dude, what's wrong with you? You're at the Monaco Grand Prix. Oh, man, that's a preach for the church right there come on God wants you so happy that people tell you to break that pill in half whatever whatever your own take it down a notch what's wrong with you you talk about a witnessing tool go I'm about to see the king I'm about to see the king I'm about to see the king there, there's, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing that we can equate to this. The biggest change for all of our lives is getting ready to happen. He said, we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet's going to sound, and we'll be raised incorruptible. Wow, glory to God. He said, therefore, because of that, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain with the Lord. So the thought pattern about the rapture is steadfastness. In position, not moved, doing exactly what God called you to do. Nothing phases you. Hmm, hallelujah. All right, let's talk about qualifications. You got your Bible there? Go back to the, the verses there, verse 14. Here's the qualifications. Now, remember, people on TV preach all the qualifications from the, from the Gospels, and the Gospels, the Lord is talking about the second coming, not the rapture. The qualifications change after the resurrection. Okay, about who you are in Christ. So look at verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So here we go. Verse 14 shows you that if you're in Christ, you're going up. We've tried to make the rapture about us. Am I cool enough? It's not about you and I. It's about him. 
He purchased you, so he's coming back for you. I mean, I can't help it that he quickened me. I can't help it that he raised me. I can't help it that he seated me in heavenly places. He did it. I didn't have anything to do with it. Come on. He, he gets all the glory. It takes all the gloating and all the boasting out. We, I can't do something to make me cool enough to go up. But his blood purchased me. Come on. His blood was shed for me. Amen. Come on. So when he says, come up here, come up to the throne of God, you're going to be changed. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, let's talk about timing for a little bit. Let's talk about why first. What's the whole purpose of the rapture? You need a different body. I mean, right now, if we walked into the throne of God, the radiance of the throne of God, you wouldn't be able to see for about six months. You wouldn't be, I mean, he, I said it last night, Exodus 19. He said, put a fence around the mountain, lest they even get near at me to gaze and die. Not because God's mad at them. He's just so holy, it would have fried them like a bug zapper. Amen. So you get too close to the, to the zapper and you're going to get zapped. So we have to have a body where we can walk right in and talk to the Lord. Think about the cherubim and seraphim. Hang with me. Think about those. Remember the, the seraphim have two wings that cover their face, two wings that cover their feet, and two wings they fly with. They're created to be at the throne, yet they still have to shield themselves from the glory of God. He's so radiant. The Bible says the glory of God in the face of Jesus, there's no need for the sun. Didn't say there isn't a sun. There's just no need for it because the glory in his face outshines the sun. Think about it. There's no shadows in heaven because of how bright he is. Mm, 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 mm. So all of a sudden, we're going to get this brand new body, and you've got to look at the Scripture. We've talked about it here many times. Always go to the Word. What's the Bible say your glorified body will be like? Because we all think some weird thing that we're floating around playing harps, and we're ethereal, and you can't even tell who we are. No, the, Jesus was real big on when he was raised from the dead. Uh, <laughs> he was on the road to Emmaus, which you love this. The guys walking with him didn't know who he was. Don't you think how cool that is? He's playing a joke on them. He's walking with them. They don't know who he is. Their eyes are beholden to the fact, and he would have kept right on walking and they constrained him to stay for dinner the bible says he would have kept on they said please come eat with us okay he sat down with them and he took them through the word he's physically in their presence but he showed them christ in the old testament it's better to find out who he is through the written word rather than your sight okay so all of a sudden he broke bread and disappeared and they said did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us wow well, they went back and told their buddies, man, we had dinner with him. He gave us an Easter message. And it was the coolest thing ever. And Thomas goes, I don't believe that. In fact, I, I ain't going to believe till I see the hole in his side, see the hole in his hands. I will not believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, st stretch into your hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Don't you like it? The Lord knows every word you say. <laughs> and they, they freaked out. He's a spirit. <laughs> he goes, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So we're going to have this body that you can walk through the wall. You can still be handled. And then the first thing he said was, where's the beef? He didn't say, do you have any kale? He didn't say, do you have any broccoli? He didn't say, do you have any salad? He said, do you have any meat? So in your glorified body, you'll be able to eat meat, be able to walk through walls, be able to be handled, and still be translated at the speed of thought, I guess. How cool is that? So we have some wonderful things to look forward to, a body that's absolutely amazing, filled with the glory of the Lord. Wow, never be tired again. Oh, man, that's radical. All right, so let's talk about timing for a minute. That's the purpose of it, to get you a new body. Uh, this is kind of amazing, because I don't know why we weren't taught this years ago. 
But there's only one little hidden reference to the rapture in the Gospels in John 14. Remember that? He said, in my father's mansion, uh, I go to prepare, in my father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And he goes, hey, if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Now, this is a type of the rapture. What would happen? That was a Jewish wedding proposal. He basically told those guys, will you marry me? In the Jewish tradition, a man would ask a woman to marry him. They'd be betrothed, and the man would go back to the father's house. The father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite and would tell the son when your room is ready. So I ask all these ladies about when they would be betrothed, would they know about when the man's going to come down to pick them up? And they said, well, of course we'd know. I go, how would you know? They said, word would come to us that the room's almost done. I go, really? I said, how, how close to would you know? She said, about two days. I go, are you kidding me? I said, you'd know within two days. She goes, yeah, we don't want to spend $500 on perfume. And then it's six months later, it was about being a good steward. So they'd find out within a couple day period. Now, why is this a big deal? I want you to get this real quick. Because the rapture will probably be on the Feast of Trumpets. Okay? Because that's the next feast to be fulfilled. Why is that a big deal? <laughs> <laughs> At the Feast of Trumpets, you know, we hear the verse, of that day and that hour, no man knows. That's what Jesus said was, I'm coming back for you on the Feast of Trumpets. They knew exactly what that was. What is the Feast of Trumpets? It's a feast after pa uh, Pentecost where it's on the 29.5th day of the month. So the Sanhedrin would send two witnesses out, and, and is the new moon on the 29th or is it on the 30th? It was on one of those two days. Just like Jesus was trying to tell them, you'll know within a two-day period when I'm coming, just like that lady said, I'd know almost within two days. I said, are you crazy? She said, absolutely we'd know. Word would come to them that he's coming tomorrow or the next day. They start putting their perfume on, and the next thing you know, she's all ready, and the next thing the father would tell the son, go get your bride, and with a shout, he'll come down. That's what we read in 1 Thessalonians, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. We're gonna go up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a Jewish wedding proposal. So the next feast to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets. I mean, we had a president named Trump, had a vice president named Pence. The president and vice president's name meant the coming of the Lord, Trump Pence. Crazy. I mean, you can't get much more radical than that. You say, well, how do you know it's going to be on Feast of Trumpets? I don't know for sure, but I think as we get closer, we'll know. You know why? Because if you keep reading in chapter 5, Paul said, you're not in darkness that that day would overtake you as the thief. <laughs> so I will, I'll take the Bible over what I have to say all day long. People say, well, you can't say that. I'm not saying that. Paul said that. You know why you'll know what day it is? Because Paul said that day will, it won't overcome you. It won't shock you. When the world says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, not the church. <laughs> he said, you are not in darkness that that day would overtake you as a thief. Ooh, glory to God, amen. So you say, well, will, will we still be surprised? I don't care how ready you are. It's still gonna be the biggest shock of your life to all of a sudden have a bolt of the glory of God come down through you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. The Bible says it's a moment that's shorter than can be divided at an atomic second. You're gonna instantaneously get a brand new body and gonna be at the shores of, of the heavenly Galilee. Oh my God. How, how will we, wor we worship now? How will we worship there when we can see him? The king, the king of glory, the majestic one. Woo, come on, the resurrection and the life. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, come on. He said, a greater one than Solomon is here. 
Whoo, hallelujah. So what, we, you talk about exciting. So the preaching of this is to get us to do more in a shorter period of time, not to escape. It's like, okay, what, Lord, what have you given us for right now? We've got a little bit of a window of time. Let's hustle. I mean, I, I won't, wouldn't be surprised me. Pastor Mike likes to build. He'll probably have a, a helicopter pad. Pastor Brian will probably get on some kind of slingshot thing, and he'll sling through the doors, and he'll fling out through this rubber band, fly up to the front part of the church, swing back like this, and someone that came says, I've never seen anything like this in all my life. It's time that we see some things that we've never seen in all of our life. Come on. If the world can do some crazy stuff, we ought to have church where people are going, oh, my God, I've never even heard of that. That's just the way I think. I'm sorry. I'm a little twisted, okay? (laughs) I think if the world has some cool stuff, we ought to have way cooler than the world. Amen. Amen. So let's go look at one more thing. I want you to get this for just a second, and then we'll be dismissed. Go over to Daniel, and I'll sing this portion. It'll be very powerful. Oh, let's don't do that. These are uh, some, the first parts, a lot of verses that you think are, not, are boring or whatever, but it's going to set up the whole thing about knowing how close you are to the coming of the Lord. In fact, the verses are so cool, it will show you you can't be here during the tribulation, okay? All right, you got your Bibles there? Go to Daniel. And when we get to those verses that are the most radical, I'll tell you. But the Daniel 9, verse 1, is just getting to the point that we'll get there. Verse 1 of chapter 9, page 994, if you've got a Bible like mine. In the first year of Darius, which was the son over what however you say that, was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now that sounds boring, but it's really going to mean something. So he said, well, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel's like, okay, wait a minute. We're in jail for 70 years. Let's find out why we're in captivity. The Lord didn't put them in captivity. He, they put themselves in captivity. Why? Guess why? God told them to let the land rest every seven years. Okay? They started planting on that seventh year. Guess how long they planted on that seventh year and kind of disobeyed? 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. So the Lord let them go into captivity to pay the land back what, it, what they owed the land. So see how flawless the, second, the, the Old Testament is like that? So with that in mind, get ready. He's going to show you something. Look over at verse 23. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel. All right? I'll, I'll, when we get to the main verses, I'll tell you in a second. But just run with me, okay? Verse 23, at the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. He said, I'm come to show you your greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. He goes, here we go. You guys missed it for 490 years. God's getting ready to give you another 490. He said, 70 weeks. That's another way of saying 490 years. It's 70 segments of seven. Remember, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? He said, 70 times seven, 490 times. So Gabriel goes, you guys missed it for 490? God's giving you guys another 490. What's it for? It's for thy people, the Jews, and upon the holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Here we go. Get ready. Here comes the verses that are the craziest verses. So let me explain them here, but just run with me. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah comes is going to be a certain amount of years, and I'm going to add it up for you. So, okay, Gabriel goes, all right, there's going to be a commandment to rebuild Jerusalem. 
Remember Nehemiah was depressed? Oh, Jerusalem's all bummed out. It's not cool. King Artaxerxes goes, why are you depressed? He goes, Jerusalem's all overthrown. So King Artaxerxes goes, don't worry. We're going to rebuild Jerusalem. He makes the proclamation. We shall rebuild. Clock started. Gabriel said, when that commandment goes forth, until Jesus comes, it's going to be 483 years. All right, God gave those guys 490. So you remember Jesus when he was on the earth. They said, are you the Messiah? He said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. Remember John the Baptist said, go ask him again because they're about to cut my head off. Is he the one? He goes, go tell them what you see and what you hear. So he wouldn't really come right out and say it, but there came a time he come riding in on that donkey and they put the palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh man, don't, don't let them say that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because it's exactly 483 years from when that commandment gave forth. Well, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. So he takes the church off the earth, and that seven years is to repay them and to get Israel to accept Jesus as their Messiah. So he's regathered them so he can court them. He's got a seven-year period of fireworks so he can get their attention. I've said it before here many times. When I was in high school, I'd be on a date with a girl. At a certain spot, I'd pull over. On every date, I'd pull over. I'd get out in the trunk and open it up, and I'd shoot off fireworks. So I'd be able to say, you can't say you didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. <laughs> I didn't do it once. I did it over and over and over again. <laughs> you wanted to make that date memorable. Well, Jesus is going to have that seven-year period of fireworks. He's going to get everybody's attention. I mean, you got water turning to blood. You got asteroids, you got hyperinflation, you got World War III. That's just the first part of the tribulation. So the earth is getting ready to go through this time of Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble. Whew. As horrific as it is, it will put pressure on people to give their life to the Lord. So we're, the Bible says the number that gets saved by the first half of the tribulation is innumerable. You can't number how many people will give their life to the Lord. So we have a great harvest before we leave. Then we're going to hand off to the Jews, and they're going to have so many people saved. There's a mid-trib rapture that you can't number how many it is. That's a lot of people. So the earth is getting what we call the time of harvest. The sickle is ripe. The fields are white unto harvest. Bring forth the sickle. So what do we do? I think of Pastor Mike and Pastor Joan. What year did you go to Ramah? 77, 78? 78, a school that the, the guy that started the school, the Lord told his mother to name him John. She didn't name him John. She named him Kenneth. <laughs> Don't you love that? Name your son John. Yeah, I like that name. And uh, <laughs> she, the Lord told his mother he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. Wow, not everything but a part in getting the earth ready. Guess what Hagen means? John, it's Kenneth Hagen. Guess what Hagen means in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. With no fanfare whatsoever, all of us in this room are a byproduct of that guy's ministry. Think about it. We're sitting in this church service on a Tuesday night because one guy obeyed God. What would happen if all of us obey God right here before we leave? So every person in this building is because of that one man obeying God. Wow. I think of how God wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to pour out his grace upon your life. He's not mad at you, not frustrated at you. He loves you. Get it burned in your soul. Nothing can separate you from his love. 
the, the Lucifer's taught people, well, the Lord will love you if you do everything perfect. He totally accepts you even if you're an idiot, even if you're a moron. Every time he's appeared to me, I, I sat there, I thought, he's not critiquing me, he's not judging me, he's not analyzing me, I can't even comprehend how this feels. We think, well, he'll really love me more if I act different. He wants you to act good, but, but uh, you know, my daughter, she did something wrong. I wouldn't follow her around going, you did something wrong, you did something wrong, you did something wrong. No, I'd go, Lauren, how, how can I help you? How can I bless you? I'm not going to torment you because you did something wrong. I'm going to help you not do something wrong again. If I think like that, how much more do you think the Lord thinks like that? So get ready for, for some surprises, joyful surprises, some heavenly things that lead up to the rapture of the church. Watch some things come to pass the moment you decree it. Watch there be such a presence in your home that it's hard to even get agitated. There's going to be some, 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 some crossovers, forerunners of things that are to come to what you'll be like during the millennium. There's going to be such a season of joy. You'll walk around your house and go, oh, my God, I cannot believe how happy I am. I've never been this happy in all my life. The Lord's going to go, I'm getting you ready for my presence. Because in my presence is fullness of joy. Amen. You know, and someone goes, well, you don't, you don't know what the hell I've been through. Well, I can match your hell for hell after the service, pretty much. Only God ever take me up. Only God ever take me up when I got on his knees and wept. But you know what? I'm not moved by the hell I went through. I'm moved by my king dying for me. Hey, come on. Now, people right now want to romance it. Well, you don't know the hell I've been through. Are you going to write a country and western song? Whatever. You know? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So that, that hell was designed to get you to back away from the will of God. That hell was designed to get you to back away from the will of God. So just like with Job. So Lucifer thought Job would curse God. He goes, I'm not going to curse God. He doubled what I had on the earth. Everything that he had that was lost, he got double. Wow, glory to God. That's under an inferior covenant. So let's just thank him for a second. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We're, we're anticipating this event called the rapture of the church to where we're evacuated to heaven. How wild is this that we're, we're going to move from the earth to be with you forever. So we rejoice tonight on Tuesday night. We rejoice that we'll see you so soon. Wow, amazing these heavenly changes coming for the church of the living God. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. You know, before we go, I want to give you a couple of invitations. I actually had some words of knowledge. We'll see when to get into that for a second, but I purposely didn't preach too long. But if you're here tonight, maybe you've never asked the Lord into your heart. Maybe you're here and, and you've been in church all your life, or maybe you hadn't been in church all your life, but you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe uh, you don't know him as your personal Savior. With the uplifted hand, I want you to say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not, I'm not even going to call you down. If you're here tonight and you've never done that, you want to do that tonight with the uplifted hand. Say, that's me. Pray for me. I'd like to give my life to the Lord. You can be saved tonight. How cool is that? How cool to get ready for a glorified body. <laughs> Amen. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Woo, hallelujah. Just the thought of it brings me joy. Amen. Anyone at all. Don't want to miss anybody. Never been saved. Never asked the Lord into your heart. Anyone at all. All right, praise God. Looks like we're all saved. I'm going to give you my grenade prayer if I can. Let's all pray this prayer after me and let's mean it from our heart. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you tonight as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, if you've never, never asked the Lord into your heart, man, you can be saved right there. You can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. How cool is that? Amen. He loves you. Amen. Anybody get healed last night? Had a few words of knowledge. I can't remember very many. Uh, sometimes the Lord will call out tons of them. I was at Monty Knudsen's church one time. I had a word that someone can't write. You ever heard of that? I'd never even heard of that. I said, there's somebody here you can't write. I said, you're healed. After the service, a buddy of mine come walking up to me, and this guy comes walking up, and he's bawling like a baby. I thought, man, I probably said something to get this guy mad. What's up? I mean, boo-hoo. Like, boo-hoo. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what happened? And he goes, well, I've never written before in my life. He said, you called that. It told me the name of it. It's like dyslexia. He said, I've never written before in my life. He said, you called that out, and I wrote a poem about the coming of the Lord. Never, 30-something years old, never written before in his life. Well, the Lord loves him, wants him to be able to write. Amen. I was at a church in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. The Lord told me there was a man there that bruised his male parts. I said, I'm not, I'm not calling that out. I said, I said, and this is what I said. I said, Lord, you can't make me call that out. <laughs> he says, well, you're chicken. I said, okay, there's a man here. You bruised your male parts. Come down here and get healed. And nobody moved, man. It was, Everybody's like... So back then, I would call people down. So I sat there. I said, well, I'm not leaving until you come. And uh, I used to do this. You remember, I did it here years ago many times. I said, I'm not leaving until you come. And then the pastor stood up and said, I had some surgery to not have any more children. I said, that's not it. I mean, how embarrassing to tell the whole church. I said, no, that's, that's not it. And so I'm sitting there, and I have this vision. I see this guy on a horse come over to this thicket, and there was a creek right there, and the horse dove his head down like that, and the guy flew off the horse and caught himself on the horn of the saddle. And after I said that, this man was way in the back. His name's Rusty. He come walking down, prayed for him. I've been back to that church 10 or 15 times. I go, hey, Rusty, uh, tell everybody what the Lord did for you. He said, man, leave me alone. <laughs> every time, I don't, I mean, every time I start preaching, there's Rusty right there. I'm going to mess with him. All right. I could tell you story after story of the weirdest stuff. Saw a woman get poked in the eye one time with a fork in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Saw a woman in Birmingham catch the she was fly fish and catch the hook in her eye. Car wrecks, I could tell you car wreck after car wreck after car wreck. Saw a woman go through the front windshield, got healed there in the meeting. Really damaged, not just disease. Pretty crazy. Wow, thank you, Lord. What is that? The very base of your lungs, the bottom part of your lungs. You got some kind of damage on the bottom part of your lungs. He's healing it right now. Thank you for restoration for their breathing, Lord. Appreciate that, Lord. That's so kind of you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Lord. Amen. That's so sweet of him. Amen. He's good. His mercy endures forever. And somebody, this is maybe simple. It may not be complicated. Uh, Your uh, taste buds are gone. Right now, 823 on Tuesday night. You got your new taste buds. Praise God. Thank God for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, I appreciate you coming tonight. I'm just checking now for a minute to make sure I don't miss a miracle. Let's thank the Lord one more time before we go. Let's just thank him. We're about to be raptured. How cool is that? Father, thank you that we live in the timing of the coming of the Lord. We, we worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Someone's tailbone's being healed, the base of your spine. It's like you busted the base of your spine being healed right now. Thank you for that, Lord. Someone's got pain uh, down the back of your legs. Uh, you know, you, you think it's your hamstrings, but it's not your hamstrings, something else down the base of your backs, backs of your uh, uh, thighs. You got some kind of pain right there. Lord's healing you right now. This other one, you know how you, 
You have this section right here where it goes from your bone there to your shoulder, your collarbone. Uh, Lord's healing that up, whatever's damaged there. Just take it. Just take it. I remember I was in, I can't remember the name of the town in Alabama. Come on, what's the name of that town? Wow, down there by, uh, oh, by Dothan. I had a word of knowledge that someone cracked their uh, sternum. I called it out and nobody moved, you know. The Lord says, it's that guy right back there. I stood there just, just like this. I said back, said you right there. He goes, that's right. He was a bouncer at a bar. He was doing uh, uh, bench press. Slip, hand slipped. Bar fell down and cracked his sternum. He bawled like a baby. Chris Romine's church where I was yesterday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, one night I had words of knowledge there. Every single word I called out, I said, there's a man here, you got uh, cancer in your prostate. I said, I'll show you who it is. I went over and said, this guy right here. He goes, I just got diagnosed last week. Every, every word of knowledge, I went out and found them. Afterwards, Pastor Chris said, every single one of those people were visitors. I've had that happen a few times. Is that crazy? The Lord would go out and get them because he loves them so much. Yes. Amen, how crazy is that? He loves them. Amen. Great things ahead for you guys. I'm excited to see uh, such a, a move you have going. I believe you have so many more new people coming in and just kick the walls out and the helicopter pad and whatever you got to do. It's going to be fun. Let's just remember, we don't have a lot of time left, so let's, let's hook them up and go. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be wonderful all the way up until it comes. Bad news for the world, wonderful news for you and I. Let's thank him one more time, then we'll go. Father, we magnify you. Jesus, 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 that you'd be glorified. You'd be glorified. You'd be glorified. You'd be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, there's somebody here, You, the inside of you got burned like by radiation or something. I don't even know what that is, but you're healed. Don't know what that is. You're healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Praise God. Hey, so thank you guys for all coming tonight. Thanks for taking the time to come on Tuesday night. I know your lives are busy, but you came to the, the conference. I believe you have a blessed season before we go. Give Pastor Mike a big hand. Pastor Mike, thanks. Appreciate being with you. Thank you for having me come. Give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes. Thank you, doctor.